Hi, everybody. This is Tracy, and I'm delighted you've joined me for this episode of Good Life Stories. I created this podcast because I believe we are all seeking connection, and what better way to do that than through story? So get ready. These stories are meant to suck you in. Welcome to Good Life Stories. Hey, this is Tracy. Welcome to Good Life Stories. My guest today is Tracy Neal from Columbia, South Carolina. She is a performing poet and professional writer. She's been featured in the New York Times, Storyberries, Inspire More, Sheen Magazine, and several other media publications. She has been winning awards around the country and was the second place winner in the virtual poetry slam taking it global in Toronto, Canada. I am thrilled to have Tracy on the show today. She is truly talented and was gracious enough to do a bit of her spoken word performance during our podcast. You are going to love it. Welcome to Good Life Stories. Hi, this is Tracy. Welcome to Good Life Stories. Today, my guest is Tracy Neal, who is a poet and spoken word artist, correct? Yes. Out of South Carolina. So thrilled to have her on our podcast today and uh, wanted to give you a second. Tracy, would you mind simply introducing yourself to us? Yes. Um, basically, I am a performing poet and professional writer. And I guess the backstory of me is two years ago, I used to be a pre-K aide. So I basically just took a leap of faith and finally decided to go for my dream of writing. I've loved to write since I was five years old and I'm 33 now. So the dream never left me. And after having the courage to you know, go for my writing, it has not stopped. Oh, that's wonderful. I'm so, so excited to hear that. I know so many people over the last few years have really made those big changes. I think my, when I talk to people, we, we talk a lot about the pandemic and that really that time at home was really a chance for forced introspection. Like whether you wanted to look at your life or not, you kind of had to. And I love meeting people like you who had the courage to step out and do something completely different because of that time and the opportunity we all had to kind of examine things a little closer. So you and I don't know one another, but I wanted to dive in and talk about, you know, your, your life stories that you had sent with me. And I'm so curious. So now I know you were a teacher before being a spoken word artist, you know, how did you end up teaching English in Beijing, China? Well, I've always wanted to be a teacher and um, I said pre-K, so I basically was a teacher's assistant. So I've always been considered what people would call the help, but I've had a passion for youth at a young age at 12. And so I wanted to give back to the youth in that way of teaching, but also combining my love for writing. So my poetry is a way to do that. And so with English, right after my college undergrad, I took a leap of faith again and went to Beijing, China by myself to um, pursue being a teacher. So I stayed there for six months. I I gained a lot of experience and culture changes, (laughs) but it was, it was well worth it. And I learned a lot about myself through that experience. Yeah. What do you, 
is there a story or what happened there? Like when you first got there, like what, what, what was it like to land in China, you know, for the very first time? Like, did anybody even meet you at the airport? Like, I mean, where, when was that? Like for that's so fun to think about. So it's such a foreign opportunity and such a brave thing to go and do on your own. It was, it was different. Um, someone did meet me at the airport, but, um, I guess the culture shock for me is, um, I'm African American. Yeah. So I, I tell people I got to experience the real China. Yes. <laughs> you know, being, being, you know, a person of color, like I stood out and I have my hair in two braids, but, um, I have a afro right. <laughs> so I would wear right. my afro out. So people would want to touch it and see like, that really your hair? So right. that was different, different experience. Yeah. Yeah. I have a couple of friends who went to China in like the late eighties, early nineties, and she's uh, six foot one and blonde, but like that absolute kind of white blonde. And she had the same thing. Like after a while, she would actually like wear hats and stuff intentionally just to <laughs> For the days, she just didn't want to do that. Like, she's like, most of the days it was fine. But like, there were days where I intentionally put everything under a hat just so I didn't have to have that conversation. You know, we forget how simple something like our hair can be really unique in a situation Mm -hmm. like that. But that's so exciting. What? So you were there for six months. Yes. Did you learn any Mandarin when you were there? I did. I had to learn some. Yeah. I actually lived with three Chinese girls. So oh, wow. You had no choice. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I feel like that's the best anytime you're learning a language. They always say, you know, mm-hmm. full immersion, like you, you don't have a choice. You will figure some of it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How old were the kids that you were teaching in China? They were three to four years old. So they were young. So it was like yeah. a, a kindergarten school. Yeah. Oh, how fun though. But a neat opportunity to get language into them, you know, and I know I've done some research into languages and Chinese, uh, you know, Mandarin, whichever version of it you're learning um, is supposedly as hard as English to learn, which, you know, we think of it as something that's not hard. But when you look at all the nuances and accents and regional and slang, it's just as complicated. (laughs) Yes, they were eager to learn. So it made it more enjoyable because yeah. I'm, I have the mindset that if you're willing to learn, I can teach you. I will figure out a way. So. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So the next story that you have is the day that you got the proposal from your husband. So was this before or after China? This was after China. Okay. And where yes. did you meet him? I met him at church and yeah. it's funny. It's not the church we go to right now, but I was there performing at the church that we went with yeah. an open mic. And so I was there to perform um, my poetry and he was there to support one of his um, male friends. Yeah. So neither one of us was there to meet each other. Oh, how funny. How funny. Yes. So um, when I was performing, I told people, um, I felt him staring at me. <laughs> And and so um, they had like a brief intermission and we connected and talked and it just, you know, grew from there. But um, it's it's funny because before I met him in my last relationship, the guy that I was dating, he ended up passing away and I thought I was going to marry him. Yeah. So the backstory of that is the last time I saw the guy was my 27th birthday. Mm. 
So I hated my birthday after yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, and gosh. I kind of shared, so I kind of, mm-hmm, I kind of shared it with my husband that, you know, I would love, you know, for that day to be changed to something more enjoyable. Right. And so he proposed to me on my 29th birthday. Oh, how awesome. Mm-hmm. Wow. What a way, what a way to, you know, reset, reset that story. Where were you guys when he proposed? Um, we were at Olive Garden. My parents were there. My friends were there. Oh, even better. Yes. Yeah, so, Did they all know um, before you? No. <laughs> which made it, which made it even like. Oh, so, delight so, for everybody. Yes. Yeah, so how it went was he gave me a couple of gifts, but this one particular gift was a book and it had like the different reasons he loved me. Oh, and so, um, I, so I was like kind of reading it out loud, but then I was like, this is kind of personal. Right. And he said, he said, just read the last page. Now, mind y'all, I'm a writer right. and like words are my life. Yes. I couldn't speak when I saw the page and it said, will you marry me? I was like, my mouth just dropped. I couldn't say anything. Wow. But how beautiful. I mean, I love that story so much because when you think about you as a writer, you know, knowing how powerful the word is for you to have him having taken the time to build a book, to think about all that stuff and to give it to you in that form. Like, it's just so powerful for the two of you and speak so much about your relationship now as well. I never, th- I never thought of it like that. You're making me emotional thinking of it like that. That's like so like, and it's funny because like he may not have even really thought about it that way. But like for me, like if you think about a way to give a gift to a writer is if you can find a way to make it truly theirs. Like that's like, that's the stuff I see in my husband. The, the stuff where you really step out and you do something that maybe is completely foreign to you, even though you may value it, it's not as important as it is to your partner to be able to deliver it that way. Like just, yeah, I'm spoiled. He makes me coffee every morning. I'm spoiled too. So. <laughs> I'm just spoiled, just spoiled. So there's two, it's spoiled. Nothing wrong with that. Exactly. I joke that I have to be careful where I share that because, like, I was I was with a group of women once, and I was like, "Yeah, you know, I wake up every morning, and like, there's a cup of coffee on my nightstand, you know, with cream and sugar, like exactly the way I want it." And this one woman looked at me and went, "What?" <laughs> she was yeah. so jealous. I'm like, yeah. Sorry. like it's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> really awesome." <laughs> Oh my goodness. All right. Now I love, so it was so fun to see that you have been featured and recognized in so many places for your writing and your speak, your spoken word, like all that. I love that you've been in all these places, but I can't even imagine like what, when did you find out, where were you when you found out that you had made it into the New York times? Um, I was at our apartment and it's so funny with the New York times. I tell people that was the third time I had, I tried to get in three times. So third time is a charm. There does a charm. But, but, um, I really just, I felt like I knew that if I could get into a major publication, it would open up the doors for so many other opportunities. So I, I basically told myself, I just need to get into one. 
Yep. So I was just determined to get in it. And but the funny thing was with this go round, mm-hmm. I thought more about how I could use my words to impact other people. Mm. Like, like beyond just myself, like how can I truly be an inspiration to someone else? Yeah. And so when I sent it, because they had like a prompt, philo- life philosophy prompt that I did. And I was just talking about my personal experiences, being vulnerable, talking yeah. about my personal experiences of being, feeling rejected and misunderstood, but using poetry as that outlet to push me forward. Wow. And to be a positive influence. So so it was a prompt that was published in the New York Times. So something you wrote just specifically for that? I did. You know, so it, was a, wow. it was a prompt. I tell people I'm a digger when it comes to research. So <laughs> it was amazing that I found this. I was like, and when I saw the prompt, I was like, I can do this. this like, yes, yeah. this is mine. I can do this one. Oh, how fun. What a beautiful story. And what a neat way to make it into a publication like that. I love it when when publications like that can open the door in a different way, because I feel Mm -hmm. like even someone who might be discovering themselves as a writer might've tried that versus for you, you saw an opportunity to open that door wider and said, Mm -hmm. Hey, here's where I am. Here's what I can do. So my favorite thing to ask people is asking them what their superpower is. And you just mentioned being vulnerable and you know, I love when you shared, you know, that your superpower is being vulnerable and you found with vulnerability, it's one of the best tools to connect with other people. Can you think of a time when that happened that you could share? Um, a good time. That um, I, good, that it I, doesn't have to be a happy time. <laughs> <laughs> um, a good time and I guess an impactful time that I yeah. shared was um, when I performed at USC this year yeah. for um, one of my original poems. Before I did the poem, I shared about that I used to go to USC. And when I was at USC um, my sophomore year, I was a cashier actually upstairs. We were in the Russell House Theater. Yeah. That's like their movie theater and and places for them to do events. But um, right across from there is the Gamecock Park where I used to work. Right. You know, as a cashier for all these fast food places. Yeah. And I used to clean toilets. Yep. So I told them, I said, you guys don't know what it feels like to be up here on this stage. And remember that I used to be literally across the way cleaning toilets. Wow. So I, I just felt like that really could resonate with people that, you know, we all start somewhere. But mm-hmm. you don't know where you might start. That's not going to be your end. You just have to keep going and you have to believe the best in you, that there is something in you that the world needs to see. We all have something to give to the world. Yeah. You just have to find it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, I think back in, you know, my, my two first jobs were working in a cannery and then working as a maid. You know, those are, you know, the jobs that, you know, if I, if I had allowed those to define me, I'd be in a very different place. Yeah. Oh my goodness. All right. So you have, so love talking about favorite quotes, sayings, and poems. So I love that it was the either you can sink or swim. I feel like your USC um, comments really go with that. Um, But I also wanted to ask you, do you by any chance have any of your poems with you that you wouldn't mind reading one of them? Or do you know one of them by heart? 
I figured you know some, but <laughs> yes, um, I tell people this is my freebie. Yes, this is your freebie. <laughs> I I charge. I charge. Yes, as you <laughs> should, because you are very talented. So that's why I was like, only give me something that you would give anybody in a supermarket. You know. <laughs> Yes, I will give the one that I performed at USC. It's um, hiding behind the corner. I used to be the girl hiding behind the corner. I felt like a loner. Yet even when I cried, I thought I had died to a world I had to face, but still the people lied. I must admit I couldn't take it. I truly believed I wouldn't make it. Then one day something inside this vessel said, don't fake it, but break it. So I broke the walls that were tearing me apart and ripping out my heart until the fall I was about to hit came into a line for start. I just kept running since I couldn't stop. I ran like a criminal trying to get away from the cops. I got rid of the haters, the perpetrators, the two faces and the instigators. I changed my way of thinking and didn't mind blinking. If times were too hard, I wouldn't stack it up with those deck of cards. I became stronger, could stand longer, not trying to measure up to a world going under. I gained respect and advanced my intellect to a place I didn't expect. Now I can walk up to a person untimid and shy. I'm a newfound eagle and I'm ready to fly. I have to speak before my spirit leaks with anticipation, determination, imagination, and an accepted application. No, I'm not always accepted by those around me, but my soul has light that a blind person can see. I have a voice that needs to be spread in order to have true peace in my head. My spirit creates a difference in the essence of the confident presence I show when I decided not to be led. Thank you. Oh, that's beautiful. I just, thank you for sharing that with me. I just, that this is the kind of stuff that I always hope for, you know, when I'm talking to someone, I, that really something beautiful and special. That's just yours. Yeah. I love, just love being able to do that. Okay, you're going to be facilitating poetry classes through your own poetry club in the next year. Yes. Is that already in motion? I've reached out to people. Yeah. And some have, have reached back. So, yeah. Yes. Nice. I, I, t- I told my husband, I said, I think they want me to be super famous. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> even more. I love it. Um, so when you do that, so do you, so, so you want to do it in public schools in your state. Mm-hmm. Have you thought about doing anything online where you could create a group there that might want to do poetry together? I'm thinking about it. Yeah. I, I think that for me, the media and the computer has been my best friend because mm. I've utilized the pandemic to go all over the world. So yeah. I am thinking about it. Yeah. I don't want to just limit it to my state because I yeah. feel like, you know, other people can benefit from it. Your message is bigger than that. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Really, really is. So I always ask about if we could spotlight a charity or one thing right now. And you mentioned St. Jude's Hospital. And I noticed that you um, were recognized for um, a poetry competition for the UK Thalassemia Society. Yes. Is that something that, may I ask, is that something that runs in your family? Is that the connection with St. Jude's or is it just? It's not. I just, even even though I do charge for my poetry, I love to give back, you know, to the needy. And so I want, what I try to tell people is I want to build resources so that I can give back to those in need. That that's my mission is yeah. to give back to the community. So with St. Jude's, every time I saw the commercials, I'm like, I want to do a poem for them. 
<laughs> like one day I'm going to do a poem for them. Yeah. So I've, yeah. I, I just want to be able to use my poetry beyond just, you know, myself or, you know, yeah. the resources, but to help people. Yeah. No, I definitely feel like you're heading, heading in the right direction. How, how exciting. So that is everything I had for us to cover today. Is there anything else that you'd like to share kind of with our audience or with just people in general? I always want to make sure if you've got a final shout out or a thank you or something to say to anybody out there, I always want to give people a chance. I would just say that it's never too late, you know, to go for what you want to do and don't let anything hold you back. Sometimes you can get negative voices in your head, people around you. They have your best interests at heart, but when you know, you know, and sometimes you just have to take that leap of faith and go for it, but it's not too late. Yeah. All right. That is a perfect way to end things. Thank you so much for joining us today, Tracy. I appreciate all your time. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening to Good Life Stories. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please visit our website at goodlifestories.com for more show notes and additional episodes. Please subscribe and consider rating and reviewing the show on Spotify or Apple Podcasts to help others connect to us. Who do you know with a good life story? I would love to hear from you. Good Life Stories, creating connection one story at a time.